broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Here's your host, Randy Tobler. Welcome to the third hour of Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Randy, along with Stephanie Bell, with her... uh, protein power drink there and my 17 beverages yes good morning but you are sans sans your light where's your beautiful energy light you don't have your energy light light. here it is okay we've had a lot of energy without an energy light hannah you're (laughs) full of energy this morning am i yes you are okay i am i can't even share with the audience what energetic (laughs) double entendres you did off air oh john (laughs) john you would blush you would blush whatever oh Precious. Never. Oh, innocent little producer Hannah. I, oh, I I've been corrupted by this business over oh, the last oh five God. years, so <laughs> I blame excuse. everyone else. Yeah. yeah. Well, a a not corrupt and a very noble uh, goal and cause is Missouri Right to Life. Susan Klein is in studio and joins us now. How you doing, Susan? Thanks for being with us. I'm doing great, Randy. Gl- uh, glad to be with you today. I was inspired to see, despite the blizzard. We saw football coaches. We saw Speaker Mike Johnson come out for the National March for Life last uh, week in D.C. That was inspiring. And then, of course, we've had the National Right to Life Convention. You were at that, right? I was. Tell uh, us it about was it. was a great, a great weekend, uh, very cold, but a lot of great people. Was Mike Johnson's revelation that he was a product of an unplanned uh, but ultimately wanted teen pregnancy, was that news or did I miss it along the way? Um, I, I think, you know, he's been more open about it uh, just recently, but um, but that, but that was great that he can share that story and that we have him as the U.S. Speaker of the House. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Um, we, we have to ask you what your thoughts are with the Right to Life movement in Missouri and what kind of traction or not <laughs> as it relates to IP reform and anything related to the movement. Um, some of the obstacles that we may see, given what's going on in the Missouri Senate. Well, you know, IP reform, uh, we need to get done. We have needed to get it done uh, for the last several years. Um, You know, I don't think that, uh, you know, obviously uh, the the Senate has had an issue, uh, but but I don't think the Freedom Caucus is to blame, as uh, some might say. Uh, You know, I think there's uh, plenty of blame to go around, but uh, the Freedom Caucus is standing up for the issues uh, of right to life. And uh, we appreciate what they're doing. Um, if you look at uh, some in leadership uh, that, um, you know, are working against um, uh, IP reform, uh, and even though it appears that they, you know, and they say that they are, those of us in the Capitol know exactly what is happening uh, with IP reform. And, uh, you know, the, the supporters of uh, Senate leadership uh, basically agree that uh, no bill uh, passed is better than a bill with pro-life language on it. So so I think, you know, I think I come back to uh, what Brian said yesterday uh, is that, you know, we have 24 Republicans in the Missouri State Senate and uh, Republicans across the state of Missouri are looking for uh, the Senate to take uh, hold of their leadership and the supermajorities and move IP reform forward. Susan, I know you, you've made a big deal, your organization, out of cautioning folks when somebody comes up to them at one of the big box stores with a clipboard, make sure you know what you're signing off on, especially as it applies to this whole issue. 
Right. And, and Missouri Right to Life has been working on this issue uh, for over a year and a half. Uh, once we uh, saw what was happening, you know, in other states after Dobbs overturned Roe, uh, we began, uh, you know, a life coalition of over 200 members of organizations across the state of Missouri and activists and, and working on uh, declining to sign. You know, we've seen our Secretary of State and our AG fight the battle in the courts. Our lawyers and other lawyers have been in the courts as well. And, uh, you know, the decline to sign is absolutely important. Uh, you know, people should not be signing something on the sidewalk that they don't know what it is. And these, this IP, uh, will put abortion on demand all nine months of pregnancy into our Missouri Constitution. And, uh, you know, they, they talk about taking away, uh, we've taken away their freedom for reproductive rights. In this initiative petition, they're going to take away our freedom, uh, for parents to protect their minor daughters. They're going to take away our freedom for women to be able to sue uh, anybody who harms them in an abortion. Uh, they're taking away our freedom to have regulations on, uh, you know, what kind of uh, health services people receive in these clinics. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot at stake here. This is, this is an extreme uh, pro-abortion uh, movement across the United States that we're seeing, and uh, they're going to send in big money. Our life coalition is going to fight uh, against them with big money. We're going to fight with our boots on the ground. We have great pro-life Missourians. Missouri is a pro-life state. And we will show the abortion industry that Missouri right to life in Missouri will not fall uh, down and, and let abortion go into our Constitution. If people want to find out more about your efforts, where can they go? We have a uh, tip line uh, that we have created so that people can uh, let us know if you see a signature gather. We have coordinators in all 114 counties uh, and other people, uh, multiple counties, uh, uh, multiple coordinators. So the tip line, uh, if you want to uh, call and let us know and we'll get a, a, a person there holding a sign, declined to sign, uh, is 417-413-413. 4134. You can also go to our website, MissouriLife.org, and we've got a lot of information there for you uh, to read about how deceptive these initiative petitions are. Susan, a question that keeps recurring, I think, in my conversations with listeners and, and, and in my mind, is about what we've seen on the ground in Kansas and Ohio as it relates to what may we may be looking at here in Missouri, where for lack of, a, of an alternative albeit more moderate but yet popular proposal to at least put solid restrictions on abortion that we may end up getting the very worst. In other words, what is your response to people that say, look, where's the initiative petition from the pro-life side saying let's allow something with a few exceptions but at least to put some throttle on it uh, because the alternative of the enemy of better being best could end up with nothing and the worst. What do you say? You can see uh, the disagreement in the pro-abortion movement. Um, you know, they're, they're not, uh, they have, uh, they've tasted victory. They have seen uh, in seven states that they can have abortion on demand with no restrictions, uh, and they're not going to take restrictions. So whatever you offer them is not going to is not going to help. Uh, our laws in Missouri have life of the mother and emergency exception. They allow for women to get the help that they need. Uh, so you know, offering them something else is not going to make them go away. Uh, so that is not something that Missouri Right to Life is supporting. It's not something that we're going to support uh, with legislators doing. Uh, so uh, you know, I think we fight this battle and we fight it to win. 
uh, and because, you know, the, the other side wants it all. It's all or nothing for them. Uh, and what we are doing as, as compassionate, pro-life, you know, conservative, you know, people uh, is uh, basically working to make sure that women have the help that they need through pregnancy resource centers, through alternatives to abortion funding, show me healthy babies funding, you know, insurance programs that the state has put together. So I think we work to help women find what they need uh, and meet their needs uh, rather than saying, oh, let's just, you know, water down our pro-life laws. So I don't think that they're, you know, the other side's not going to accept it. And I don't think we should go down that path. I agree. Well, talk to us a little bit more about you. You mentioned your legislative work. Um, you have other pro-life legislative priorities for this session. Obviously, there's been some issues in the Senate, but if things were to go perfectly, what are those other pro-life priorities uh, that you hope uh, see either a hearing or, you know, getting to the finish line? Well, we've, we've been working for years, uh, to defund Planned Parenthood. Uh, and some would say, well, why do, why are we trying to do that? Because there are no abortions, uh, being done in the state of Missouri. But, um, you'll see it, I think, uh, in, in, it'll come out in a hearing today. Uh, there's videos out there that show Planned Parenthood in Missouri, uh, you know, uh, d- working to take minors across state lines without their parents knowing about it. So defunding Planned Parenthood, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood is, uh, is an affiliated organization. Uh, so all these Planned Parenthoods in different states uh, are affiliated with the national organization, the largest abortion provider uh, in the United States. So defunding Planned Parenthood became an issue back in June of 2020 when the Missouri Supreme Court said that our Missouri legislature could not uh, defund Planned Parenthood any longer in the budget bills, that they need to put it in statute. So we're working to try to get that done. Uh, it's very important that that pass. That's been out there for several years. Um, and, and I come back to, again, uh, you know, we're looking at, uh, the, the Republicans who are, are listening to and taking money from those who say, um, you know, no bill is better than a bill that has pro-life language in it. So we're working to defund Planned Parenthood. That's something that has been needed to be done. Uh, 20, uh, 21, uh, the Senate adjourned sine die in a special session, uh, without putting pro-life protective language in, um, in statute. Um, they didn't come back and do it in 22. They didn't come back and do it in 23. Uh, and we're asking them to do it in 24. Susan Klein from Missouri Right to Life joins us this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Uh, how do, how do listeners' tax dollars fund Planned Parenthood currently in Missouri? It comes through our Medicaid program. And, uh, and, and so Planned Parenthood receives, uh, I know, uh, in June of 2020 when the court ruled against our pro-life language, um, they, uh, also said, okay, so now you have to pay the, the money back that we've given Planned Parenthood, uh, over, uh, a few years. That was 2018, 2019. Um, so, and that was about $1.3 million. So, uh, you know, you know, Planned Parenthood is not just uh, undermining parental consent or parental knowledge on the abortion issue. They're also uh, doing it on transgender transitioning. So, um, you know, to continue to give Planned Parenthood money in the state of Missouri is undermining uh, parental authority in multiple ways. So uh, through the Medicaid program, um, but uh, but since we can't defund them in the budget any longer, we need to do it in statute. And that's what we're trying to do. And so far, uh, the Senate has stalled the Senate leadership has stalled us out of being able to get this legislation passed. Susan, many pro-life uh, doctors that deal with women's health are very concerned. And we've heard stories, anecdotal stories, where administrators at hospitals 
have transferred patients who are having miscarriages, but there may be a, a very faint heartbeat. Uh, and there's debate over what do we do we wait till the mother is in the ICU? Do we wait till she's requiring a blood transfusion? The whole definition about that exception of the life of the mother is a real pragmatic problem. I can tell you that from very personal knowledge of this. Uh, is the is the right to life movement open to some kind of more uh, clarity on exactly what is and what is not allowable? Uh, because I'm telling you, there are women who whose lives are threatened because things are allowed to go because you have quote a heartbeat. Whereas the woman's life, you know, if left until the very last minute, may actually be threatened. You know, there's there's things that evolve over relatively short periods of time and decisions had they been made earlier to terminate the pregnancy would have avoided a serious threat to the life of the woman. Um, the Attorney General's office has come out and talked about uh, what is uh, what is allowed under life of the mother, what is, uh, you know, uh, not not allowed. Uh, and uh, our laws are absolutely very clear. Uh, we looked at that whenever each of those laws were passed over the last 50 years, um, you know, uh, on on care for a woman. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm a survivor of an ectopic pregnancy. I know that there is help there, uh, to, uh, to give to women, uh, if there is an emergency situation. So, um, so, you know, so I think if there's, uh, situations where physicians feel, um, you know, that they don't, uh, have that right to do that, then, uh, yes, let's sit down and talk to them. But at this point in time, what we've seen and what we have heard from the lawyers is that the doctors have the right to, to yeah, treat a woman. No. Don't, don't trust emergency. the lawyers. Don't tr- the doctors. What? The doctors don't trust the lawyers because the lawyers are about litigating. Litigating. But when you're on the ground in the emergency room, and someone presents with a problem that you know has a 99 percent chance, not a hundred, 99 percent chance of threatening the life of the mother, and if you, you don't act quicker. Choice. But 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 doctors don't want to take the chance that someone's going to prosecute them. They needed to get some hoodspur. The attorney general needs to have a hotline 24 seven and say, "What do I do?" There needs to be a doctor in the line who will protect them. We, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a cluster. And I'm a pro-life guy, but I can tell you, it would behoove the pro-life movement to be very active in protecting doctors who, under good faith, act and want to be insulated from rogue prosecutors. Okay, that's enough. Hey, thanks, Susan. Appreciate it. Good conversation. And thank God that you are out there trying to protect life. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, Randy, so much. All right. Alrighty, when we come back, uh, the morning bell, because uh, we're going to follow these markets with uh, lots of turmoil in uh, politics. We'll see how that's impacting things. Stay tuned for more on Wake Up Mid Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid Missouri. Their words are their responsibility. What you think, that's on you. This is Wake Up Mid Missouri. I hear the morning bell. Stephanie Bell has some info on the markets for us. It's been a great year so far for the markets. And this morning, all the futures are in the green pretty significantly. S&P up about half a percent. NASDAQ more than that. Dow just slightly under that um, as the market prepares to open. We are... uh Business news is uh, kind of slow. I think we got so much political news right now. The business news writers are, are are slow because I like to check out the Wall Street Journal, what the number one story is. And you would be 
absolutely shocked at what your bankers <laughs> I couldn't believe it are reading this morning what your business bros in are, the journal in the journal because it says most popular news so whatever y'all are clicking on the wall street journal tells on you and Drum tells roll. that this is the number one story for today so you think are they reading about you know uh the netflix uh i guess netflix got the wwe contract so that's a big deal are they reading about disney are they reading about china nope number one story polyamory (laughs) (laughs) all right the headline is polyamory lots of sex even more (laughs) scheduling and it goes through this woman woman's relationship with her husband and and how they make it work um so if you're if you're into that (laughs) talk about your investments huh (laughs) yeah (laughs) are we going to have that upside down pineapple discussion again uh let's not go there a lot of deposits happening there oh oh so not to mention withdrawals (laughs) oh <laughs> All right. So, okay. what we are uh, it, talking it, about investments, of course. I had. I'm going to steal this from Hannah because I had sent it to her. Because um, we are going to get to some business news, and this is on Fox Business. So, if you happen to have multiple partners and date nights are breaking your bank, um, you should have gotten in on Applebee's date night pass. <laughs> Which sold out because Applebee's was selling. It was a 52 date night pass. You could get to go to Applebee's, which who's going on a date once a week, honestly? And who? People who don't have kids. Maybe. (laughs) Um, But you were allowed. So they were selling it for just $200. They said it was a $1,500 value. No one apparently knows anybody who actually got a hold of one of these because they sold out so fast. But they would allow you $30 in food and non-alcoholic beverages. Can you get a meal like for under thirty dollars for two people? Uh, maybe at McDonald's. Well, yeah, <laughs> not I'm, at Applebee's. I'm thinking can you? maybe it was a smart play maybe because so. it'd pay for one person, but then they're yeah. getting the money from yeah, you know exactly. the alcohol and the second person. Polyamory and the markets. Only Stephanie Bell can connect those dots. <laughs> That's why we love her here on Wake Up Mid Missouri. When we come back, uh, we want to talk a little bit more about what's going on in the national. News, analysis, and opinion, free of charge from Wake Up Mid Missouri. It's eight thirty-six as we roll along on Wake Up Mid Missouri, and on the national scene yesterday, a primary took place in New Hampshire. Sure did. And Donald Trump won said primary by what is it now, eleven or twelve? I think percentage it, points. Last time I looked, it was 12. Okay. Yeah. 54 to 43. Okay. Uh, Percent. 11. Okay. Well, we're at 11. Well, let's take off our shoes and count our <laughs> fingers and toes. Um, here's what Nikki Haley said when it was about uh, 8% last night with just, uh, you know, about 25% of the boat in or something. Here's what she had to say. If I can do this correctly. You can't fix you can't fix the mess if you don't win an election. A Trump nomination is a Biden win and a Kamala Harris presidency. I defeat Biden handily. So she makes a point. If you look at the polls in a theoretical Haley versus Biden election, John, she beats Trump. Now, when Trump in his speech said that he 
the polls say the opposite. I don't know. The polls I've looked at suggest that Nikki is right. Now, should she have said she was somehow a winner? That's what Donald Trump said she said. But she didn't say she was a winner. She just said, look at me as someone who can win. What what do you think? She was very optimistic, more optimistic than maybe I thought she should be. But there's been a lot of comeback kids who didn't have great nights in the first primaries uh, and did well. I don't think that's the path that she's on. You know, they go to Nevada uh, and then South Carolina. It's a full month. It's going to take a lot of resources. And it, it, the polling looks worse for her in South Carolina than New Hampshire. So, you know, I don't see a path forward for her. I actually put out on my Instagram yesterday. I'm you can find me at Radio Lawyer, a little mini poll and said, does she drop out tonight, tomorrow morning, or is she in it for the long haul? And yeah. amongst my followers, yeah. people were evenly split, completely evenly hmm. split. And I really thought maybe she, I didn't think she would drop out last night, but I thought maybe she would come to her senses today um, and say, look, it's just, it's not, it's not there for me. Um, but it sound I mean, she's making it sound like she's in it for the long haul. Now, we it heard... It does. You know, we heard the... What, she get like $1.5 in her campaign coffers just since DeSantis dropped out over the weekend? Yeah, she's got plenty of money to keep it going. And, but we also heard from DeSantis there at the end that he was in it to win it. You know, and it's interesting. <laughs> I have to laugh because I think all of the press releases and tweets I've seen over the last 24 hours from the Freedom Caucus say, we will never back down. And I'm like, interesting choice of words since that's what ron desantis was saying and that was the title of his pack and he he backed down um so i would have chosen different words but regardless of word choice i think i think at this point there's no path forward for her Um, except as vice president carl rove thinks it would be a wonderful thought Donald Trump is never picking her. I'll Ronald, go on record saying Ronald that. Reagan picks picked George H. W. Bush after they had a fairly down and out battle back in nineteen eighty. So, you know, there's something to be said there. And look, thirty percent of of Haley voters say they would not vote for Trump come hell or high water. And most Trump voters said they would never vote for Nikki Haley. Yeah, and I do think, <clears throat> I do agree with Stephanie, I don't see former President Trump taking, uh, taking. Uh, and you bring up a very good point. You bring up 1980, Georgia, and, and, and really it was more of a geography thing than anything. Ronald Reagan was from California. He wanted somebody from the South, George Bush was from Texas, and he had the West and the South and did very well. Gerald Ford, who was from Michigan, ended up taking Bob Dole in 1976. It used to be more geography, but I I think that the it's just such it's a different era of politics both federally and uh and locally as well as as we've heard in a couple of our interviews. I want to mention something very very quickly guys. Uh we've just had a Columbia doctor just moments ago get into pretty well-known doctor here in town get indicted by a federal grand jury. I just got an email from the US Attorney's office. 52-year-old Jerry Brugeman has been charged in a 13-count indictment returned by a federal grand jury in Kansas City, uh, indicted by a federal grand jury. It involves alleged false statements involving Medicare. We stress these are accusations. It's an indictment, oh. and uh, but he has... Uh, Pretty well known. Uh, Brueggemann is spelled B-R-U-G-G-E-M-A-N. 13 count federal indictment. Apparently involves uh, medical devices, things like braces or genetic testing. But those are that's that's what's his specialty. Do you know? Uh, he a, I just googled him and it says family practice. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it, and this is a little complicated. Just just reading this, but basically that he didn't allegedly did not assess the patient's condition, never evaluated. But yeah, general practice and so, um, inadequate. And, 
inadequate diagnosis, prescribing treatment, and getting paid by Medicare. And, right? Is and, that pretty and much not, what it is? And not treating the patients again. Ale- by the ale- fal- that's the False Claims Act. That's yeah. that's what they're that's what they're alleging. So so we'll see. And I'm sure he's going to have a defense attorney who's going to try to fight this. That usually is what happens. But but I want to let people you know, know that one of these days, Stephanie, you and I need to really have a good do- doctor lawyer talk because people don't re- when doctors hear what you just said. I, I can tell you, doctors in their cars, in their offices, nurse practitioners, PAs sitting there now will go, you know what? Technically, every doctor, every day, probably unknowingly violates that law. You know why? There are different levels of coding mm-hmm. with very complex definitions. Is it complex decision making? That's a level four, which you get paid a little more for. Is it? Did you spend X amount of time with the patient? And how much in time? And did you do three bullet points on the review of systems and four on the exam, or was it vice versa? And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being a little bit simplistic about this. There are trifold and quadrifold little laminated sheets we get that say make sure you count all the bullet points so when you see brian for his complaint that you make sure and code it right you can technically be indicted you can i don't know the inspector general can come down on you with criminal and civil penalties for medicare fraud wait not only if you overcode if you undercode mm-hmm that's right. And and we know that that's sort of theoretical, but in this politically charged system where we are seeing the weaponization of justice against a citizen, a prominent citizen in this country, your doctor is petrified over what Brian Houseworth just said. Now, <clears throat> truth be known, probably the guys that are going to get it indicted, the guys that say they're, they did 20 cataract surgeries in a four-hour time or in an eight-hour day, or they did 50, and it's the physically impossible. The lawyer who bills 30 hours a day. But we, don't, yeah. we, just don't, we just don't trust the system not to bring the hammer on you when those kind of things are out there. That is why more and more of us are jumping off the grid, not dealing with Medicare, not dealing with insurance companies. And you know who's going to get hurt? the patient and i've heard complaints from other doctors a lot of them don't want to take medicare anymore we live in, or, or we med- live medica- in mortal fear med- of medica- these people uh, medicaid i believe is another complaint. they can bring you down <clears throat> and, yep. and for a good faith mistake Managed oh don't worry about it general, doctor right? don't worry about it the investigation it, if it's a one-off i don't trust those people <laughs> Well, and I will say I've I fully escaped and and now attend a health practice that doesn't even take insurance where I have yeah. a full autonomy over my healthcare choices. Yeah. Um and did that a long time ago and and I'm happy that I did it. But at the same time I will say I mean it sounds like I, I, it, that he, and you've been critical of lawyers this morning. I'm not critical but, of lawyers. Well, I'm critical of the system. The government, yeah. The but, government. But I would say, you know, it's scary because I have lawyer friends who say who do and I don't practice yeah. in personal injury, who do practice in personal injury. And, and are like, I would avoid the doctor at all costs. I've seen the craziest things. You know, if my if I have an injury to my finger, I'll amputate it myself. Wow. And I think that is probably the wrong decision as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I mean, if we, if there is a crisis we face in our country, certainly I believe it's over healthcare right now. And mm-hmm. and, and I don't think we're spending enough time on trying to solve. it. I'm going to say it. You're going to hear this over and over again on this program. We have a problem in this country that lawyers, legislators, doctors, reporters can't fix. Stupidity. Look at your church, your synagogue, read the good book. We have a cultural problem in this country. That's the problem. There is no trust among individuals anymore. Everyone thinks that everyone else is out to hurt them, to hurt them, to be self-centered. And frankly, that's the case because we have lost 
we have lost the ethos that comes from the great Judeo-Christian history that begat this country. That's my opinion. I'm sorry. Uh, and I, I, pre- I appreciate it. <clears throat> I appreciate it, Randy and, and Stephanie as well. So, again, I, I think just to reiterate here for people just tuning in, a doctor, again, Jerry Brueggemann from Columbia, has been indicted, a federal grand jury, 13-count indictment. I'll have more throughout the day. There's the, the, the federal prosecutors can't say anything more than this. But just to reiterate for people that don't know, you know the Stephanie better than anybody else as an attorney, and you know Doctor as well. Those are accusations. Yeah, right. And he's going to have a defense. And I'm attorney. not here to defend Doctor Brueggemann. Yeah. And and Stephanie, if 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 you if every lawyer and every prosecutor had the ethics that you did, I wouldn't be having this discussion. Jack Smith, Judge Engeron, hello. Americans look at the justice system, and then they look at the laws that we unknowingly break every day. John Stossel did something on this years ago. Every business owner breaks the law every day. And if someone wants to come after you, they'll find a way to do it. And that scares the hell out of the average American. And it's the way our systems are set up, and they incentivize certain yeah. behaviors. And I would say we see it in other contexts outside of healthcare. Yeah. Uh, something that's been close to me recently is that we see it in, for example, in policing, right? Like, there you go. Why wouldn't you bring a lawsuit? We've seen it in Ashland. We've seen it in Columbia. Yeah. When you know, even if the city can prove that it did everything right, you, you know, yeah. they, they have to balance that with the cost of litigating. And yeah. we see it in Colombia. And and that's a structure, an incentive, a perverse incentive that yeah. the system itself breeds. Yeah. And it doesn't actually get to that's the truth true. of the matter. And to bring it around again to the cultural thing, if people would own their mistakes, most people, even in the in the realm of medical malpractice, there's been great science on this. If you're the first to say, I'm sorry, I cut the nerve, I really blew it, I apologize, what can I do to make it right? The system has shown, there's been multiple studies that show that the person who was injured gets the best deal in that kind of an arrangement. Not through the litigation and the medical malpractice system and everything. If people would own their mistakes, like I did earlier, someone said, Randy, you always run up against a hard break and then they cut off. I own it. I blew it. I'm sorry. You can even uh, check the Wake Up in Missouri live video feed (laughs) On YouTube or Facebook? We just want, if people would just own up to their mistakes, the American people used to be a forgiving people. The media is complicit with this gotcha mentality, and it has, the madness has to stop. The madness has to stop. And don't get the doctor started on managed care. <laughs> Mangled care, we call or it. Or land erosion, apparently. Oh, don't get me going on land erosion. Okay, when we come back, we're going to do leftovers. <laughs> Stay there, gang. Thanks for being here. You're listening to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Good discussion this morning, eh? This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Crew at 874-9390. Warning. Everyone on the show can read your texts. Eight fifty three, it's time for the leftovers, right? Now, we've been wanting to talk about a story that got buried. In the wake of the Rowden, you know, clean out. I mean, that was a purge yesterday. On, on any other day, it would have been probably the leading story because it's also Republican on Republican warfare, which the liberal state media loves to cover. 
So the the state auditor, Fitzpatrick, Scott Fitzpatrick, did an audit and was highly critical of the Secretary of State's uh, pullout of ERIC um, and said it's not helping us clean up our voter rolls. Um, The Secretary of State took offense to that and had a 10 a.m. presser yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, which got completely eclipsed by uh, the Senate drama. I don't understand all the details of this audit, but Rudy Keller in the Missourian, I guess through the Independent, uh, the Missouri Independent, reports that the audit accused Ashcroft's office of illegally withholding information and failing to document withdrawal from a national elections clearinghouse. (laughs) And Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft said that's a deep state political attack. Now, Jay will be on with Gary Nolan, I understand, in the upcoming Gary Nolan show. At 9.30. At 9.30. All right. So I can't wait to tune in then. And I don't think Scott Fitzpatrick took to the liking of being called part of the deep state. Call it deep but state. the two of them have been have not uh, have been at odds before over certain requirements. They got beef. I don't know that they have any personal beef, but certainly they see differently um, on some issues. And you know, I, I don't. And Ashcroft is calling this all political. Of course, Ashcroft is running for governor. The auditor is sitting pretty because he's on the off cycle, so he doesn't. He's not running for anything. Um, but you know, has certain duties under the law, and he's saying, "Look, I just, I, you know, I had to do this audit. We did the audit, and here are the results." I, I don't think this is the last we hear about. He gave him a fair rating, which was a downgrade, the second lowest rating, and a downgrade from a previous audit. Hmm. And this in, in Jay Ashcroft and the Secretary of State's office in defense of him is not the first entity nationwide to pull out of out of Eric. You know the the oversight thing for the voter rolls. It, you know, there's been entities all across the country that have parted company with it. You're, well, and if, you're exactly right, John. If you're Governor Mike Parson getting ready to deliver your State of the State address <laughs> this afternoon, you're looking around and everything's imploding. <laughs> It's not, not real, not a great uh, opening act for your state of the state address, I we guess. Will, we will be covering that live, uh, 93.9 The Eagle and 104.5 News Radio 950 KWS and on those uh, the Three webs o'clock. and apps. Yep. Three o'clock. I had, I may <laughs> have asked my friend, and since it's my own statement, I'll share a private conversation, but I may have asked my friend Scott Vaughn yesterday, um, are you canceling this year's Statesman of the Year and just saying, having your own presser <laughs> today and just saying, look, none of y'all deserve the award this year? I, 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 he didn't say one way or, or another. Or is he giving it to a Democrat? <laughs> oh, oh, man. It was a rough day yesterday. And I think, Randy, earlier you kind of said, you know, uh, when we were talking to Senator Rowden, it's sad, right? Uh, because you, there are, uh, even though I'm a limited government gal, there are some priorities that I think we left sitting on the table. There are some priorities I'd like to see get done this year. And a lot of these people, I think, are personal friends of ours. Yes. Um, and I might disagree with some of their behavior, but I, I think a lot of them are right on the issues. Like, even on the Freedom Caucus side, I think some of their issue issues and their stances on those issues are, are where I fall. And I'd like to see those pushed forward, but I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone's helping their cause when the behavior uh, is like, it is currently. They need to bring in like a couples counselor <laughs> onto the onto the Senate floor. Just Not a have bad a session. Idea. Yeah, just have a session. You know. Yeah, I, I. It it just seems like all civility and camaraderie and collegiality have gone out of the conference. Meanwhile, the Democrats are loving it, right? Oh, They're just John sitting. Rizzo and those guys are just saying thank you. Yeah. And and we should remember that this committee process, which I guess bills have to go through, right, unless there's some nuclear thing like the amendment the other day, which was a cry for help from Bill Eigel about the IP, um, 
you know, the Democrats have a voice, too. There's procedure. It takes time. Plus, when you hear something and you're a sitting senator, I would imagine you hear something you want to go back and research it. So things are not going to run at the pace that we, the citizens, would like always. Yeah, I mean, and I think there are issues out there that everyone can agree on. And maybe if we can find that issue and get one, you know, one like a debt, like Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. If we can find one little thing and get it done, hopefully we can make progress. One thing I think that's on the table is cracking down on swatting. I think everyone can agree that we should do that. And that, that I think, is a, is a new priority. And I think it's something we can come together on. And if you want to maybe learn to yodel and yell from the hills in Austria and Switzerland with me in <laughs> September, check out 93.9theeagle.com and kws.com. Let's go to Switzerland and yodel from the hills and vent. We'll be doing more venting tomorrow on the program. Stay there.